Welcome to the latest episode of A Life in Film with casting director Manny Puro. If you enjoy this episode, please review and share this podcast. It makes a huge difference. We're also on Patreon, TikTok and Instagram if you'd like to support us and get more content. Thank you. Our guest's career as a casting director started with a dozen handwritten letters accompanied by a Kit Kat and a note saying, since I've supplied the Kit Kat, you could give me a break. One of the people that replied was casting director Jeremy Zimmerman of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and Willow fame. Manny assisted Jeremy on many projects including Del Toro's Hellboy 2 and soon found his feet as a casting director. His credits include multiple collaborations with Duncan Jones on Mute starring Alexander Skarsgård and Paul Rudd and The Wonderful Moon starring Sam Rockwell. From Born to be Blue starring Ethan Hawke to the Shaun the Sheep movie Farmageddon. Manny has never shied away from making bold and exciting choices. I have him to thank for casting me in several movies, my first villain as Iago in a modern day adaptation of Othello, and most notably my first lead in a feature film in BAFTA nominated Northern Soul. So for this Manny, I will always be hugely grateful. Thank you. Our guest today is casting director Manny Puro. There you are. Yes, you can see me. How's it going, man? Yeah, very good. Oh, very good. I'm trying to think the last time I actually would have seen you in person. It would have been years ago. Absolutely yeah. years ago. I can't it's even so think. Weird. Yeah, it's so weird how it happens, doesn't it? That sometimes, mm. you you know, we saw each other all the time for, for a period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever reason, it's just, yeah, you, you, you stop that and then... But then it happens again. It's uh, you know you always go yeah. in these cycles with with just with anybody, I suppose. But with actors in particular, sure. you know, I I I can only cast the roles I'm given, and it's uh, and sometimes mm. yeah, there's there's certain types, and you think, oh yeah, I'm seeing the same actors week after mm, week because mm, mm. it's all the, the same role. But oh, then, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it just goes um yeah, it just sort of moves around. But yeah, are you all, all right? right? You're well, you're looking good. I'm good. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really good actually. Um, yeah. Now we're through the whole uh, dreaded COVID and everything else, and auditions are coming back, and it's everything's a bit busier now. So it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. Have you have you uh, did you struggle through, or were you were you all right through? Yeah, no, because all... people don't think of casting directors when they think. Obviously, the actors aren't working, but the casting directors aren't as well. It's just pity, as bad for you yeah, guys. Pity poor casting directors. We weren't working either. No, it was. Um, I think some of them were actually some of them on the on kind of commercials. The ones that did commercials. Um, were working and there were a few little kind of projects but mm. it was um you know I think I'm really lucky I live out in the countryside and um I, I love my kids I love spending time with my kids so it was it was kind of really you, you know we we were kind of all right we, we found mm. it quite easy to you know to, um to isolate and to when during our hour a day out we could go into the countryside and it was really nice and then yeah I've been doing this kind of I, I'd started years ago I started these online acting kind of not really caught they're not acting courses but they're just self-tape courses mm. so they just exploded so I was really busy with those and in fact I was able to employ a lot of casting directors I had lots of casting directors hosting their own courses and then I was running a lot of courses myself and it just kept a lot of actors busy and a lot of um oh great casting people busy so it was it was yeah so in a way it was kind of or I, I kind of yeah we survived I did you kind found of... a good angle there and it, it is nice yeah. as well to have that if you, your family and everything else it's kind of a, almost a forced excuse to then go to yeah. spend time and and not actually have to work and well you know and then finding things like that is great like a sort of side hobby as well 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, and, and like I said, I started that way before the pandemic, years before. So it was all kind of set up. So it was really easy just to kind of expand it a little bit. Nice. And um, so, yeah, that was good. And and yeah, like I said, I think we compared to many, I think we, we had it pretty, pretty easy. Just, and especially, mm. you know, especially our living kind of uh, conditions. We have, a, we have a really small, modest house, but it's in a nice, wide open area. So it's uh, we never felt that we were, um, you know, I think if I was living in a city or especially yeah. in an apartment or somewhere, I, I think that sense of being really closed in would be um, would be really hard to take. But um, yeah, no, we managed to manage to get away with it. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it was all right. And it's, it's good that things are picking up as well. I mean, obviously, you know, for a, a few dark moments, you were thinking, is anything ever going to happen again? <laughs> and, uh, you, well, it was like, what is, yeah. how did you get out of this hole? But um you know you, you can kind of yeah things have, have absolutely sort of started 100 percent. thank god yeah it, there are those uh you know it, it was quite nice at first it was one of those things we were like oh everyone's not working and that's the first you yeah. know like i even tom cruise is having a day off today yeah. um and then you know obviously then people start working again you're like okay right where are the auditions and then the anxiety comes back in but now it seems to be in full flow and it's it's nice to be doing tapes and going in for stuff finally again but i think this was the kind of i don't know how you feel but this felt like the final straw for obviously people were going towards the way of doing tapes anyway and i think the pandemic now makes it everyone's had to do tapes and it's a lot easier and you can do it from across the other side of the world and everything else but for you does it feel like it's less and less in the room and it's it's more on tape these days yeah well i'd i'd um i mean i'd really embraced self-taping ages ago so i i mm. maybe it's because i live out in the country so and i love coming into london i love kind of going in and being in the city and then coming back to my little bolt hole out in the countryside but i think because i've, I've lived out of town for quite a while when mm. in the early days of self-taping i really embraced it i thought wow this is great i can i don't necessarily need to go into london just yet i, I want to I, I don't want to not ever go in and never meet actors in the room but i think um i really enjoyed um, I think I embraced it probably more than most and, and tried to, uh, and it did, it really transformed for me, it transformed the way I cast because I could throw a much wider net um, than, than before than see, you mm -hmm. know, there's a limit to, there's a kind of physical limit to how many people you can see in the room for, for any given job. But with self-tapes, I found out actually, you know what, it's, it's, it's much easier and I could see so many more actors and so many different mm. kinds of actors that I, I wouldn't have a chance to see so I'd embraced it um sort of way before the pandemic and I was doing I think I was really focusing certainly step one of, of every project was was really heavily you know using self-tapes so in a way I think it's kind of good it has accelerated um, it's, I think other people have sort mm. of caught on I suppose or at least they're seeing the benefits of it and um, um they're sort of you know I, again during this um during the pandemic when I was running courses for other casting directors you know I could hear how they were talking about self-tapes and at the beginning they were like you know hearing about how they would use self-tapes very much in a marginal sort of way it, it, you know oh we might give out you know we might ask five or six people to self-tape something but then mm. by the end after a, after a year or two you could kind of see actually no people are it's not a secondary way of, of auditioning it's a really great first step but um but actually seeing actors in the room is is absolutely everything for me that's that's uh you know so even though i'm a massive champion of self-tapes it's not i don't want that to be the be all and end all mm. of the testing it's still really important to get a short list of people in the room and start messing around with them and playing with them and have a director there to direct them and then even recall them again after that so it's um so yeah to, to be honest it hasn't really and if anything it's helped me because it, me, it means 
that the uh, that yes, cell tapes are far more um, are used far more often, which is what I've been doing for a while anyway. Mm. But um, but yeah, I, I definitely I hate casting just from from self tape. I kind of rail against that, even if a director says, "Oh, it's just a one line part. We can just cast it from self tape." I I still try mm. to get that actor in the room with the director just to um, just to see each other's eyes and see each other's hundred percent. You know, I still think that's really critical. That human chemistry just in a room is is, is um you know you, you can't really predict that so i think you've, mm. you've got to see people in the room so yeah no, it's, um, it's good i think it's always strange whenever i've been cast through a subtype but not even had the chance to go in into the room i always think that's a bit strange yeah. you just think there's all you, you you could spend a week doing that tape yeah. <laughs> you could be awful no, no. like um yeah. sure no no i know it's a, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know sometimes actors do. Um, I have a, a friend, a friend who's an actor, who um, but she she lives the other side of the world, thank God, which is which is great. But we go on holiday. Our families go on holiday together, and there was, a, I mean, this was quite a few years ago, seven or eight years ago, and we were on holiday together, and she had a self tape come in, and it's like, hey, I'm a casting director, I can help you do your self tape, and uh, and my God, it took about seven or eight hours to do this kind of one little scene you know and I'm trying to be patient and trying to go yeah no this is my holiday but I'll help you because I'm a casting director and obviously and it took yeah seven or eight hours for it to get it right and it yeah. made me it really made me really you know it just made me realize yeah actually I mean it's great when you get it wrong no one has to ever see that as on, on, with your self-tape but at the same time if you if it's taking you 40 or 50 takes or it's taking you hours to get one little take right mm-hmm. then that's not going to work on set or it's not going to work in the audition room so it's um you know, again, that is kind of one of the reasons why you do want to get someone in the audition room um, and just make sure that they can do it reasonably mm. quickly. Um, but it's definitely a two-way thing as well. I think the actor also needs to be comfortable with the director. It's, it's, and just make sure you can communicate with each other and that you're, um, you know, it's, it's just you want the actor to feel comfortable when they turn up on set and for it not to be this suddenly mm. they see everybody and meet people. It's just if you've got if you've just had even a few minutes beforehand, just to make a little bit of a personal connection, definitely. it just helps then you know, months later or weeks later when you turn up on set, at least you've met the person and you, you, you kind of, you know each other a little bit. I think it just, um, yeah, I think it all, it's all Oh, just... I think that helps uh, hugely. I, I really, um, that's funny that you say that though. That's, it's good that you got to see the other side of it and really see the, the pain yeah. <laughs> that we go through, the hours of anguish. I know, and, I know, um... and it is it's so hard. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, you can see just fluffing up the lines, but then also the performance and trying to get the performance. But it's, um, you know, I've done so much now with these courses on on self tapes, and it's it's mm. really you you do, it is I do advise actors just to you know it's kind of three is your magic number. Try and do three takes, three full takes, and get, get be confident that when you've done three takes that's it forget about you know just pick one of those look at look at those three don't keep going and keep going and don't kind of aim for this sort of perfection or this perfect um version of the role because it sort of it doesn't really exist anyway and mm. we will and, and and it's really just to trust the process trust that we will see what we need to see from one of your takes one of those three takes we'll see enough of of what you bring to the role and how you, the role fits on you and and most of the time it'll it really will be just enough it'll be enough to for us to see and so you don't need to be slogging away for hours and hours oh, no it's easier like said that. than, that's good that's good yeah, advice so i'll I take that on it is a bit easier said than done i'm sure i'm sure if it's a, a role that you're really really you know one you, you you can't help but kind of keep going and keep going but i think it is it's a sort of a discipline that if you're able to go look i'll do three takes and then and then you've got less to choose from because i think the choosing part is the bit as well that can really send you in a spiral where you when you've yeah. got so many different takes and you're trying to figure out oh which one do i really like 
but if you give yourself fewer choices just go with three takes and um yeah i've kind of got this phrase pick the one you hate the least because there's probably not one i mean if you've got one that you love then that's fantastic pick that one of course but if um you're gonna you're gonna hate all of them and so but just pick the one that you hate the least and just send it and and get on with the rest of your life because <laughs> yeah. we will we will see what we need to see we mean we really yeah. will and then we bring you into the room and um you know but it, it's just the first step and and nobody really knows who the character is or what the character is going to be like so for you to kind of keep doing it over and over again and kind of just making these little fine tune adjustments mm. none of that really matters it's kind of just that very first instinct that we see that first kind of interpretation that we see that we kind of go yeah that looks kind of interesting now let's bring the person into the room and then you 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 know then the director can get to work with you a bit and tweak things around but I think it's um even on set I mean you know even then once you've got your audition and you've won the role and you're you know you've been cast things mm-hmm. still kind of change don't they anyway between that point and turning up on set and then it all depends on who else you're working with and what their vibe is and what their mm-hmm. chemistry's like so everything's always sort of changing there's never kind of that one perfect way of, of performing anything so I think if you just get that into your head yeah, yeah it just simplifies things just um yeah just do three and then get out of there get 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 I'm gonna it. give that a go definitely in the next time I I find that um I've got this weird thing and I think I guess it's a good way to be but I'm dreadful at auditions in person I, I occasionally I'll like do a really good audition I'll be like okay I actually thought that was I I stayed calm I didn't get too nervous and with tapes, I do what every other actor does. I do a thousand takes. I spend a day doing it. It's hours, eight hours, nine hours doing this tape. And then you have to sieve through the thousands of, of, of tapes that you've done to find the one good one. And and then, but I, I do actually find that I will genuinely do about 30, 40 takes and I'll delete the bad ones as I go, but I'll have to then go through them all. And it is always the last two or three, which... I need to obviously that I warm up over time and I hopefully get better towards the end, but I need to learn to get from point A to B quicker. And then I won't have to do a thousand takes and try and do it in the three, like you say. Yeah. It's also, listen, every actor is kind of different as well. And I know some actors that are, that that do need warming up in the audition. And, and, and in a way, when you know that as well, you can kind of tell the director before they come in, you can say, listen, let's just do two or three really quick takes because this actor will be terrible for these two or three takes, but then, (laughs) then they warm into it. And, um, and there's one actor in particular, I won't mention any names, but you know, it's kind of, once I knew that, it was yeah. easy you, you get them in and you do a few takes and then you can just see then all the all the tension kind of leaves their body and then they're brilliant but if you if you only gave them two or three takes like you normally give an actor then you would never cast this person so it was, it's it's good prior knowledge but if you're getting stressed out by doing loads and loads and loads of takes if it's if, if it doesn't stress you out then do loads of takes but if it is stressing you out then just try try the different way try and do three takes and you're done and um and just and just see see how it feels I, I, yeah i think it's um I did, yeah I think it's good I mean it's really good practice for then when you're in the audition room because again you you'll feel more comfortable when when the director moves on to the next scene instead of again you won't expect to do 30 takes in the audition room mm. and then definitely if you then get the job as well sometimes the pace of shooting is so fast that if you're able to confidently go in and do two or three takes and when the, the AD or the director says right we're going to move on if you're like yeah great let's go you know you don't you don't necessarily want to be the actor that says, oh, can I do one more? Can we do another one? Or can we keep going? You know, mm. because sometimes actors will do this and they'll they'll do it all the time. And you can see everyone's, the schedule is kind of going and everyone's just thinking, oh no, come on, you want you want the actor to be happy and, and, and confident that they've done well. But 
if, if an actor keeps saying, oh, can we just do one more? You know, you do get that sense that, oh, mm. you know, they're not, they're not happy and, and that's not a, a good thing. So, yeah, I think if yeah. you can be happy after doing fewer takes. Um, 100%. And, and it, I think it also, if the director says he's got it, he's got it. That's, you know, yeah. that's his job. It's not the actor's job to be like, we haven't got it yet. Yeah. Um, and I, I do find, like, saying that, obviously, I'm not very good at auditions. It, on the occasion, I am fine. But then I, I hit a different gear when I get a job. It's almost like, like I'm I'm here and I'm being paid and I'm I'm an actor and I'm for some reason auditions is a different I'm in neutral <laughs> trying to get into first but where when you know you've already got the job I find like there's no problem going to that from A to B but it's yeah. the audition process that I think with a lot of actors it, it just stresses them out and and maybe yeah. that's why taping is another reason it's it can be good because you you're not as intimidated because you've got the time and you're not screwing it up in front of anyone yeah um it's yeah, definitely yeah. a different process though i think being in the room sometimes can be great because as you say you can look in the casting director's eyes the actor's eyes and and there's a connection there you can have a chat and you can kind of calm yourself down by having that that moment before you do the read um but yeah there's there's pros and cons to them both yeah, yeah. i guess i think the, uh, the the other way of doing it i suppose is to actually when you get an audition convince yourself that actually that is you you have got the job there's mm-hmm. a, a fantastic american actor called uh, michael kostroff who's who's been in lots of he was in the wire and he plays a lot of you, you'd kind of recognize him but he has this great um say it's well kind of a great saying and he gives little courses again about the audition process but he just p- persuades himself that he has got the role and he sees this as an opportunity <laughs> when he has an audition sees it as this opportunity just one time only be the, be the role kind of be the character and um and, and and because he loves acting that's obviously it's what he wants to do he it's such a thrill then that i've got this one chance to to do this role um uh, you know that i've been given uh, even if it's just an audition I mean, obviously then if you get the role and you get end up getting paid for it then that's great that's the cherry on the top but if um if you're able to somehow uh, you know jedi mind yourself to, to to kind of go yeah i've actually got the role and i'm just going to really enjoy giving this one performance there's only ever going to be one time mm. that i give this performance then you just put everything into that audition and you just kind of hopefully you, you enjoy it and enjoy the, the process of kind of going look here's my character that i've invented and um uh, and, and just think of it as that and, and as soon as that finishes that audition finishes then that's it. You played the role, and, and now you again. You're going to move on to something else. It's, and, and it's just trying to persuade your mind that it's not a job interview, but it's instead it is just your your one-off performance that um, that you've got this opportunity to do. But again, I know it's easier said than done. I think it's it's just tra- training your mind so so that you um yeah you don't see it as such a big deal, I suppose. But um anyway, yeah. Listen, there's that's, all sorts of psychology going on, isn't there? That's great advice, though. I think that is because it is the mindset, isn't it? It's I think, um, or tell me if I'm wrong, but I think a casting director can sense desperation. <laughs> so yeah, if, you, yeah. if you go in there and you're confident, you're like, you know, I've already got this. Fine. Yeah, I'll tell you um, what, when I go in, I have to pitch for my jobs as well. You know, I'll, I'll um, like every casting director, we all go through the same process, same as an actor, we kind of audition for our jobs. And so I'll go into a pitch and I will convince, I, 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 when I, whenever I go in for a pitch, and even if I know I'm meeting, and in fact, 
you know, when you're going for a pitch, normally I meet other casting directors kind of outside in the waiting room in the way that you guys will meet actors that you might see over and over again over, you know, over the course of time. You'll see the same actors in the waiting room going, oh, yeah, you're going up for this role as well. And, and you, you get to know people like that. But I know some casting people that are also in the queue to get to go in and pitch for the job that I'm going for. But when as soon as I get into that pitch, I am, I am convinced I have got the job I kind of feel. And I speak the way I even speak. Right. We're going to do this and we can go here and look at these people. And who do you like out of these actors? And why don't we make an offer to this person? It's kind of like I bamboozle them mm-hmm. into thinking that they've already given me the job. And I'm sure sometimes they're kind of like, what the hell's going on? Has he got the <laughs> job? Have we given him the job? Did we? Did no one tell us? And, you know, and I, I don't know. You just think, well, yeah, I'm going to. It's my job. It's, uh, you know, this is, I, I, I want to, you know, yeah, it's my job. And this is, I'm going to, in all my meetings, I'm going to um, enthuse as much as if, if, as if I've, I've got the job. Um, sometimes it doesn't work, but it's but often, you know, listen, it's, it, it works pretty often. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, you know, you've just got to kind of commit, don't you? And, um, and go, yeah, this is, this, is, this is the job. And even the pitch meetings is, is the job as well. It's all part of the job. So, yeah it's it's anyway it's well if um i mean correct me if i'm wrong but um i believe that you you started getting into casting in sort of the late 90s um i'd like to ask how where where did that come from where, where, where at what point were you suddenly like oh i want to do this yeah it was really um yeah my origin story is kind of really random i mean it's one of these kind of strange things i was um uh, I, I came to London. I, I was born and bred in Manchester, so I, I kind of grew up in Manchester. And I um, and when I was doing my A levels, I, I had a really great economics teacher, and so I thought I want to go and do economics at university. And it was kind of back in the day when it was really not easy to go to university, but you, you know I got a grant to go to university. You see, I got paid kind of money to pay for things. I didn't have to pay anything, um, so it was kind of easy to to make that leap. I didn't have to get into any kind of debt. And I came, I was lucky enough, I came down to the London School of Economics and I was doing an economics degree there. And, you know, LSE is like a really good school for economics. But as soon as I um, so, so moved down to London, joined, went to the LSE, after about a week or so, I kind of realised I hated economics and that I think my, my A-level teacher was fantastic. But actually, the subjects of economics I found just really weird and really dry and not, not what I was expecting at all. But here I was I was kind of my rent was being paid I had a bit of money to live on I was living in London so I kind of kept up I did the bare minimum to stay in in my course but I knew I was not going to work in that field and I knew I wasn't going to um you know yeah I just didn't want to pursue economics so I used to um, because I was living in London I, I there was um, a fantastic cinema down in King's Cross at the time called the Scala Cinema um and the Scala Cinema was it was run by a film producer and it's um it, it used to, it, it wasn't, it's a little bit like the Prince Charles Cinema at the moment, and it's mm-hmm. just off Leicester Square, where it would show older films, and it would show, um, it would show really quirky films and lots of foreign films, and, and um, so each day, it was almost like a little mini film festival every single day, so every day there would be a completely, there would be three or four new films, and you pay a student rate, it was so cheap, you could kind of turn up at noon, pay a student rate, and then you could stay inside the building, as long as you didn't leave the building, you were allowed to stay until <laughs> the end of the day, until like 11 o'clock at night. So I used to, um, I used to kind of think, well, you know, I loved movies anyway, just like any, I think like any normal person, I suppose. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed going to the cinema, and it, mm-hmm. but this was a real kind of escape. I just thought instead of going to university and 
you know, just sort of turning up to lectures, which were boring me. I would, I would just hide away. I would go and spend, you know, pay my pound. I would take sandwiches with me so I could stay inside the building all day. And I would, um, and I'd watch two or three different films or four films. I'd watch every single film they showed on that particular day. And, um, and I would just do it obsessively. I would just go back day after day after day and, um, and just be watching movies and, and kind of, it was, I, I realized now it was my education. It was kind of like a, a sort of a film school, but it was just me hiding away from real life, just watching films. Every so often I'd go into university, do the bare minimum so I didn't get kicked out. But really, I just I just enjoyed watching um, watching these films. And I used to I had a little diary that I used to write the names of the film, the name of the director and the name of actors. So I was I don't know why I did that, but I just thought I'd keep a little note of, of these. Yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Just um, I don't know, just to I, I guess people do, you know, they like I, you can obsess over football statistics or things like this. But I just thought I'm going to keep tabs of producers names and just people's names that were associated with some of these films. Mm. So I, I did this more or less for three years, every day for three years. My wow. degree lasted for three years. And so apart from a few, a, a few, you know, days away and a few times when I would go into university, I was just I mean, it was a, it was a pure fantasist kind of life of. I'm just going to go to the movies and that's going to be my, that's what's going to be what I do. Um, and at the end of three years, as I was, when I was going into to university to, to just, you know, keep, just keep my foot in, um, a lot of people that I knew, they were all turning up in suits. They already had jobs set up in the city. Everyone was like, they were ready for the next stage. And I was there again, as usual, in my little t-shirt kind of going, oh, bloody hell, this is going to finish you. And I've got my, my degree course is going to finish after, you know, mm. what am I going to do? And again, I had, I really had no idea. And even during this sort of three years at the Scala, I wasn't really thinking that I, I could do anything, you know, that I wasn't thinking I want to be a filmmaker or anything. It was just, it was a pure escape. But I, um, so I, I started to kind of panic a little bit and think, oh, what am I going to do? And I thought, oh, I'm going to just go to the cinema and not think about it anymore. And I think there <laughs> was, was a particular time there was a, it was, um, there was, they're doing like a little mini Fellini season. And there was, um, a Fellini film that I, I hadn't seen and that I was really looking forward to. And, um, oh, God, what was it called? Um, oh, Donald Sutherland. Oh, um, Casanova. It was, it was Fellini's Casanova starring Donald Sutherland. And I hadn't seen it. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And I remember then going and watching, um, watching it again, just head in the sand. I'm going to just watch this film and not think about my life at all. And as, as I was watching that film in particular, it was that was the light bulb moment where I was thinking, well, how does it I hated the film I really hated it oh really yeah it was just one of the you know it's kind of like, I hate this it's so stupid but but how does this happen who makes these decisions that this film should get made how, people they seem to be having a, a ball making it Donald Sutherland seemed to be enjoying it you know that it's like there must be some money involved there must be people getting paid people making a living out of it obviously I'd seen all people's credits at the end but I never it never you know I never really made that kind of connection um, about it being a livelihood but it was that was my light bulb moment thinking well I really love coming to the cinema I love I love films it looks like a decent a fun job it looks like a job that you would kind of enjoy so maybe that's what I should do and it was that moment of yeah I want to I want to explore that world that's 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 this is what I'm interested in and it was um and it was back in the day like you say kind of the late um 80s um yeah kind of late 80s there was no internet there was no kind of real uh, no real resources on how to get into the film industry so I just thought I'd have to figure it out myself and figure out how to how to do it and so in London I got the yellow pages which um you, I don't know if you'll even remember <laughs> to explain to the audience the yellow pages the yellow pages which is a directory a book that you had all the I remember it mm. you know we I mean, used to use now, it as a doorstop 
Yeah, I mean, it was this massive thick book. And so the London Yellow Pages was this massive thick book that you would, if you were looking for any kind of business, like a, a plumber or an electrician or anything at all, they would have an entry, a phone number and a little address in the Yellow Pages. So I got the Yellow Pages and I went to F for film. And there were a few pages there. There were a few pages filled with, with, um, with you know, under the category film. And mm-hmm. some of it was um, kind of film processing, like the old photographs and just film processing. But some of it I could see were kind of film companies that, that I'd kind of recognised from films that I'd seen over the last three years. And some were just people's names. And so I, I just thought, right, well, here's my directory. Here are, here are all people involved in the film business. Obviously, I, I didn't write to the ones that I knew were just kind of processing film because that wasn't what I was into. But I just started writing to, to people from the Yellow Pages. Um, kind of randomly just so well I did them in little groups of 10 uh just to just to sort of see and I kind of I, I, I first one first kind of group of 10 I just sent a letter and I didn't get any responses and I thought I'm going to have to be a bit more inventive if, if this is the this is the film business and you know people are visual in this business so I had to be a bit more inventive and come up with different things and I came up with all sorts of madcap schemes to try and get noticed and um <laughs> and I kept sending them to all different you know to these little clumps of 10 people at a time and every so often I'd get a little someone sending something back this is not the way to get into this business you know getting nasty letters back from people that were just ridiculous but anyway oh, really I, yeah it's just kind of weird stuff but I, I I was kind of pushing you know I was kind of just trying to be inventive and trying to what kind of thing would you do though when you say oh, inventive there's, stuff I'm there was intrigued. a time when there was a time you know one of the weird ones I suppose that didn't really work on that I did get into trouble was the uh, um, I used to send it I sent I sellotaped 10p into it with a letter because it was um at the time it, the, if you went to a phone box you'd put a 10p into the phone box to make a phone call so i used to put a little 10p and said look i've supplied a 10p so you can just give me a phone call it won't cost you anything again this was kind of before the days of mobile phones and things it was just so it was just sort of stupid gimmicky things and so they remember it though then that's something that's memorable they, isn't it yeah, you'd think they would, and that, that, uh, but someone says, you should not send money through the post. This is kind of bribery. And it's like, it's not bribery. It's 10 pete for a phone. It's like a little gag, and it's like a, you know, and I sent it just to 10 people just for the, just to see whether it would do anything. But anyway, so I got, I was kind of getting desperate. I was going through all my film, you know, all the, all the, you know, and not really finding any jobs or anything and getting some bad letters back telling me I was being an <laughs> idiot. But I came up with this idea that, um, um, and again, it's, again, I probably wouldn't have said it unless it worked. And it was a, it was it ends up being a really good idea because it's made me my whole career. But I um, when I was at the LSE, there was a dark room at the LSE. So I got into taking photographs, little black and white photos and processing them and, and kind of printing them on 10 by 8 sheets. And so um, uh, I, I thought I'm going to take a photograph of the, the Scala Cinema, the, the, um, the uh, program. Each month they would uh, publish this kind of big A3 poster. That was that was just like a calendar, but it was it looked really cool. It was like a really cool kind of poster that you'd stick on your wall, and you could see all the films that were coming up. So I used that as my kind of background um, for a photograph, and I had some little Super 8 films and little Super 8 reels um, and a little Super 8 editing machine thing. So I put it all. I made this really nice kind of collage and a nice picture, um, and then I hand wrote a note in it uh, that I I put inside this this black and white picture, and then I took this black and white photo and processed it and printed it on these little 10 by 8 photographs you know like headshots um you know actors headshots used to come on these 10 by 8 inch photographs so I had this really nice beautiful looking kind of black and white photo with this handwritten letter a bit of a joke um a bit of a kind of a jokey letter but the last line of the letter um was so I had the photograph but then I also had this idea that um that it was to do with the Kit Kat bar you know the Kit Kats because yeah. the Kit, Kit Kat tagline 
and it's still the same tagline have a break <laughs> have a kick at still the same you know back in the day that's what it was <laughs> have a break have a kick at so the last line of my um letter that I that was inside this kind of photograph was and since I've supplied the Kit Kat you could give me a break and uh, and so I used to send this photograph <laughs> and that's amazing it was so I mean you know I wouldn't I didn't tell anybody when I was doing it but I had so I had these 10 um I printed off 10 photographs and I got 10 little Kit Kats and those little hardback please do not bend envelopes and I sent it off to 10 people and that was the one that was the next day after sending that I had 10 phone calls 10 people wow. every person I'd sent that to phoned up and said we have no idea who you are, what you do, whatever, but come in and help us have a meeting. And yeah, so it was, it was the one, yeah, just the Kit Kat bar, the photograph, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it that's was amazing. That's so like, so inventive. It's, you know, when you're kind of desperate when you're, when you don't know anyone in the business and you don't yeah. really know anything about it. You, you, yeah. I was just trying these different things. So I went in to see quite a few people. I went in to see a, a sound editor and, um, some production company kind of people and again it was really fantastic it was really cool and it was uh, just to finally meet some real life people that were involved in this world um, and one of the people that there was someone that, that called me up and said oh hi you know um, are you available to come in and have a meeting and I said yeah sure when do you want it he goes well where are you and I, I at the time I was living in Kilburn and he said yeah I'm down near Sloan Square can you get here like in half an hour and it was all a bit kind of quick it was like yeah okay sure I'll get there in half an hour and so um <clears throat> And it was just one of the names. I had no idea who this person was. It was just a name on a, uh, you know, it was one of just a, a kind of a name. So I, I didn't know what they what they did at all, which was which that's not uncommon because the, the um, you know, that that's how it appeared in the in the yellow pages. So I went down to this guy's office um, down uh, just off, off Sloan Square, right on the King's Road, uh, which is a really cheeky bit of London. I mean, it's, it is now, but even back in the day, it was really, really mm -hmm. lovely. Of London. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And I pressed <laughs> this buzzer. And uh, and this voice says, yeah, come on up. I'm on the first floor. And so I walk along this kind of dark, dingy corridor and then go into this um, room. And it's a tiny, tiny room. I was expecting something to be really glorious because the King's Road is really fancy. But it's this tiny, tiny little room. And there's a kind of a desk in one corner, a desk in another corner. Then there's a little sofa. And there were loads of video cassettes and loads of scripts. And just it was a tiny room and filled with just stuff and um and there was this one guy in there and, and he was the, on, on his desk there were about eight telephones the old kind of rotary dial telephones, <laughs> yeah. and all of them were ringing they just none of them would stop ringing and uh and, and I kind of said oh hi my name's Manuel and uh you know I, I, yeah, thanks for asking me in and this guy says listen I haven't got any time for a small talk um, here's a script have a read of this sit, sit there and have a read of this and we'll talk in a minute and I was just thinking this is really weird you know he barely said anything to me he just sort of said no no I've got no time for small talk here's a script and it was the first time I'd actually been given a real script so kind of a real life script I didn't I'd never <laughs> seen a real script so I sat on the sofa and I was listening to this guy taking these phone calls and he was doing stuff like no, no, we we can't pay Ben Kingsley seven hundred and fifty thousand. We've only got five hundred in the budget, and then he put that phone. Out. No, no, we can't. Michael Caine's far too expensive. We'll never do that. And he was just doing all these kind of weird phone calls. And I honestly thought it was a bit of um, I thought this was kind of like a, a joke that someone had set me up or something because the the person I was living with was actually a, a good friend of mine, but he'd done really well in the city, and um, 
And I thought, and he knew I was trying to get a job in film, and I thought maybe he's done something here. But little by little, I was listening to this guy on the phone, answering all these phone calls, and just not really being able to answer everything. All of, you know, um, just not being able to kind of manage everything. I looked around, and there were a few film posters on the wall, and, and there was one poster for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which was a massive movie at the time. It was really big, and um, and looking at that poster, I could see his name was actually there, right on the poster, along uh, among all the other, you know, the director and the producers, and, and it said casting director. And I thought, bloody hell his name's right there on the uh, on the what um, was the name of the casting director he's called jeremy jeremy zimmerman oh of course um, okay yeah that rings about jeremy. And so so um <laughs> anyway after about after about <laughs> half an hour of, of jeremy taking all these these phone calls the buzzer goes again the front door buzzer goes and i've literally i've not said a word to him i'm just sitting there kind of reading the script going this is just so weird. And then the buzzer goes and Jeremy goes to the uh, to the buzzer, picks up the little intercom and goes, darlings, darlings, yes, come on up, I'm on the first floor. And then he puts the, the phone back in. And I know it takes about 30 seconds for, for, for them to get from the front door up into the office. And so he turns to me and goes, right, what's that script about? And I kind of start, oh, well, it's about this boy and they meet this girl and whatever, you know, it was just like a standard script. And, um, uh, and he says, right, and who should be in it? Who could play those roles? And because I've been, I've been at the Scala Cinema for three years, and I knew, you know, I've been watching actors, and I said, "Oh, there's this person could play it, and that person could play this role, and this person." And he said, "Oh, great! Now go and sit over behind that desk and just look, look busy, you know, do some kind of filing." And um, and so I went and sat in the corner. The door opened, and a producer and a director walked in, and Jeremy goes, "Darlings, darlings, I loved your script. It's one of the best things I've ever read. You know, let me tell you who we should go for these roles." And he started listing off some of the people that I'd mentioned. I mean, he had some other names as well, but he started kind of oh, wow. them. and I am really just thinking what is going on what this is just insane and I, and I I'm <laughs> at this other desk not I mean I have nothing to do so I'm just kind of moving bits of paper and just trying to pretend that I, I'm supposed to be there and Jeremy holds this whole kind of meeting with these people and they love his ideas and all of that and then he um and then they, they when they leave uh, Jeremy just says oh yeah listen can you hang around for the rest of the day and uh, and so I, I hang around for the rest of the day I discover that his normal assistant his, his usual assistant was sick that day so he just desperately needed somebody to come in and kind of cover and, and kind of help and um, and at the end of that day he said oh will you come back tomorrow so I came back the next day and and then you know every day for mm. in fact for weeks and weeks he'd just say come back tomorrow and it took about a month before I kind of said is there any chance I could get paid any chance you know because it was by, by after about a month and and yet it was that it was as random as that I didn't know casting wow. existed I didn't know that was a, a job at all and um and it was just really fortuitous that his assistant this wonderful um she's called Andrea Clark who's a fantastic casting director now in her own right but she um she was just ill for a few days then she came back and and um yeah then she came back and I was able to learn a huge amount from her, from Andrea. Um, and actually, Jer Jeremy went away to, um, he was casting a job that, that was taking place in in, um, in Amsterdam. So he left the office for, for probably about a month. So I could really learn a lot sort of behind the scenes, helping Andrea mm -hmm. about how things worked. And then Jeremy came back and there, there was, you know, and it was just ongoing. And it was just, yeah, it was so random that the um, that first initial kind of foot in the door um, like I said, I didn't know casting was a job or it existed. I I I, uh, I found that I could do it really nicely. I really enjoyed working with actors. I really enjoyed speaking with agents. Um, I tended to be just really nice to everybody because I didn't know how long my job was going to last. I thought, <laughs> I'm, if I'm really nice to certain agents, then maybe I can ask them for a job later on. But it never kind of got to that point. Um, I used to, yeah, and I used to just love meeting actors because it always just felt so magical that you just have this opportunity to 
play with an actor in a room and then meeting the directors and things and these uh, and again you know it's the first time I suppose yeah I've met a real life film directors real life producers and I kind of learned that they're just human they're not these gods that I'd kind of built them up to be they're, they're all human and they're all fallible and they, they um, you know they're all kind of wanting to do their best and so yeah it was just this um, you know thank goodness Jeremy um, asked me in on that particular day that my the timing and everything kind of worked mm. out um, that's yeah. amazing that's an amazing story Je I, I did notice you've done quite a few films with Jeremy um one of them being um a sequel to Hellboy um, am oh, I yeah, right in saying and yeah. some some incredible films but that yeah, well, Jer- what an amazing thing for him to be the first your no, first sort of contact well Jeremy's really I mean he's just been a fantastic mentor I mean he's just extraordinary I think he's um you know I mean he's hard to work with if I'm really honest he's hard to work <laughs> with but he was great I mean just he would give you so much responsibility very early on and and um and I actually I worked with Jeremy for about seven or eight years to begin with from that that day onwards and then I got headhunted by an agent there was a, a really big agent that needed an assistant and he called me up and goes oh I want you to come and work with me and and I and I thought it'd be really interesting because it was my first proper job in the film business um I wasn't you know it's kind of like I love casting but it's my it was my first job and it's so what if I am I going to be any good at doing different things and so I um this and this agent because he was absolutely the top agent had a, a, an incredible client list mm. um he called up and said oh I want and who also had this fierce reputation for being really really difficult and um so he said yeah I want you to come and work for me and so I I uh I spoke to Jeremy about it. I was really nervous thinking, oh man, you know, what? Uh, let me just talk to Jeremy and see what he thinks. And he was so generous. I mean, he took me out to um, the Ivy for, for a celebratory lunch to say, you've got to go and do this job. It's an amazing opportunity for you to sort of see the other side of the business and don't worry about me. And, don't, you know, just, you know, that this is you kind of on your way. So I went off and um, so, you know, he, he was brilliant at sort of not pushing me out, but but sending me off to, to mm. try different things. So I worked with the agent for a while, and uh, which was, again, an extraordinary experience to sort of see the casting world from that side. And, and his clients were, were absolutely, you know, Oscar nominated every year and top notch. So sort of being part of that was um, was fascinating. And then I managed to black my way into a job of I was um, head of development for um, for Guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughan. That were, <laughs> just after they did Lockstock and they actually they just finished Snatch, they that um, I, I was able to join their company and yeah, be their head of development, which was finding new scripts and things for them to to kind of mess around with oh, wow. and to, to do. And so, um, and, and that was good. And, and um, so, you know, I kind of moved around a little bit in the business. And then um, uh, in between everything, I've always loved traveling and I've always loved um, uh, going off on adventures. And so I'd, I'd, um, and so I'd kind of gone off on, on an adventure and then I got a phone call from Jeremy when I was kind of in the middle of nowhere doing nothing much and um and Jeremy called up and it'd been years we always kept in touch and in fact we'd been on some mad adventures together ourselves like in Costa Rica and different places I mean just as friends but kind of years after me stopping working with him and kind of putting casting to 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 the side um he called me up and said oh listen I'm in um I'm in South Africa at the moment and I've got no one in the office that I that, that I, I you know that I can kind of trust that I want to you know I need someone in the office and wh- what are you up to and I was actually I was living in Poland at the time which is a kind of a weird long story but I said, wow. oh, I, can, I, said I said oh yeah well I can I can get to I can get to London and and um and he said okay will you yeah just go and look after the office it'll be like a week maybe two weeks max he said and <laughs> so I said, okay yeah I, I was I wasn't really doing much else so I went down and um, uh, you know I stayed in his house Jeremy's so amazing he's like you know where my key is you know where the house is stay in the house don't worry about it so I went into the office and um 
And it was actually, it was Hellboy 2 was just coming up and Guillermo del Toro, who's directing, was about to come into London. And so um, I was kind of trying to get things ready for Jeremy and calling Jeremy. Jeremy was in South Africa casting a film, I think for Neil Marshall, a director called Neil Marshall. Mm -hmm. And Jeremy was in South Africa and um, <clears throat> he said, oh, I'm going to be here a little bit longer. Just so, you know, do, do you mind? Is it OK if you can just sort of, again, hold down the fort? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But, you know, Guillermo's coming in. To town and don't you want to be here and he can say yeah yeah no I will get there I'll get there but just kind of hold the fort hold the fort and Jeremy ended up staying away it was brilliant he stayed away for about seven or eight weeks which um which in, in South Africa so I was really able to again kind of get my foot under the casting table again and kind of mm -hmm. uh, just kind of reconnect with a whole bunch of agents all the agents were more or less the same all the assistants that I used to know years before they'd all kind of graduated up to become agents um, so that was really nice. There was I knew still knew loads and loads of actors from my time as being a casting director, um, and then and you know there were a whole new there was a new generation of actors, but it was easy enough to kind of learn who all of those guys were. And then it was brilliant because Guillermo did come into town, and I was able to do the first two or three days of auditions. I was able to do with Guillermo del Toro, and I'm kind of going, I wasn't even doing any casting <laughs> for a little while, and now I'm in a room with Guillermo del Toro doing some auditions and then Jeremy did come back and he sort of took over and did the rest as he should do um but it was this it was a, it was just a brilliant again a brilliant um it's a little bit like your first girlfriend you know casting was my first girlfriend and then you sleep around a little bit thinking oh I play the field so I tried these other jobs but I did um I, I then by giving by Jeremy kind of inviting me back and giving me this second bite of the cherry it was that kind of like oh man this mm. is where I belong this is you know I, I had it right all those years ago when I first started working in casting this is where I belong and this is this is what mm. I should be doing and so after wow. when Jeremy came back I said oh listen can I hang around a bit longer and he was like yeah of course stay stay so we did start um so that was my second kind of bite at it really and I, yeah. I, so I stayed again with Jeremy for a few more years and we we co-cast various things and we spread some bits of work out and then um and then really when my kids came along I I, I uh I met someone and I fell in love and started having children. And I think when the children came along, it was kind of time for me to break away from Jeremy and start being a bit more in control of my own schedule. Mm -hmm. So that's when we, um, so again, in a really amicable way, he was just brilliant at saying, yeah, no, this is it's your time and you should, uh, you know, you, yeah, this is now your time. So, um, so yeah, I've been really lucky, I think, because especially two, two bites at it. I mean, the first time was amazing that I got that break. But then yeah, the yeah. Time because I was kind of, you know, I had kind of moved around a bit and um, yeah, it's just, a, it, it's, it's, yeah. So there's That's, no, it sounds really like a really organic, um, you know, there's quite a nice way of doing it because you weren't kind of like, Oh, I need to do this and I need to achieve that. And I need to, it kind of felt like it was a natural flow and you were just seeing what you liked and, and moving around and trying different things. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I do look back and I do just think how fortunate and also how fortunate I was that, um, that the, the casting director, the, the person that responded was Jeremy, because Jeremy, again, just has a very different outlook on life. And that, that um, I, I think he, he, you know, and he taught, taught uh, obviously about the, the job and how to do the job and all of those things and his relationships with producers and directors. Mm. But also, you know, he was so, um, you know, how he dealt with his family and his kids in particular, and just kind of always, they always came first and how he was able to um, you know he, he he just showed a lot of you know the work we do is sort of important and it can and people can see it as but think it's really important but but really it's not we are kind of playing around and and um, you know we're not truly saving lives but you know there are times where um, there's there's a certain kind of openness and uh, to him that I I hope I've sort of taken as well that, that uh, yeah I don't know and yeah he, he never seemed to worry about things and 
you know there would always you know there would be times where you weren't sure where the next job was coming from and things like mm. that but it was always kind of like yeah just trust it things things will happen and um and I, I really hope I've taken some of you know I've taken a lot of um of that from him I suppose Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah it hasn't it's, it's kind of a strange i mean there was a desire to work in the film business that was there but not um there was but but yeah it's just weird how it's all kind of worked out and how yeah especially the second i mean the first go at it was great but then the second go just went just that random phone call again with jeremy and um and then realizing and, and just uh, that allowed me to see that actually yes this is this is where i did fit in this whole kind of um, this the machine of filmmaking. This is this is the bit where I fit was to do with mm. working with actors. It's messing around with actors. It's kind of talking to directors and and then also dealing with agents and uh, you know knowing how to deal with agents and um, all of that. Is I, I, I like to think touching wood that that's what I'm. Yeah, that's that's what I'm good at. And and uh, and so yeah, I've been really. I mean, God, how lucky. How lucky! I mean, you know, they always say it's, it's like I don't feel like I've done any real work. I've not done a day of work <laughs> in my life because this is it's um, that's it's, the aim. Yeah, it kind of is the aim, isn't it? I mean, how lucky are we that we get to muck around in this sort of business and do these things? And that the, the the key part of my job is to be in a room with people like you, with my dodgy little camera. I mean, you've seen it. <laughs> dodgy little. Camera. I've seen it for real. <laughs> Playing around, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, it, it's just madness that you can get. You know, you can make a living doing that. So. Mm. Um, so yeah it's it's a uh, yeah I've, I've well with them um, I, I mean my first real insight to kind of seeing what it's like behind the camera as a casting director was obviously when you cast northern soul and and the casting process with that and and being there and actually reading with the actors seeing them coming in and and being really nervous and like that was my first experience well first and last I've never really had to do that since um, but it really opened up my eyes to, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. They come in and, and you know, like Antonia Thomas, who was eventually cast in the film, I remember um, her being visibly nervous, like almost shaking, because I was having to do this scene very close to her and I could see that she was like, the paper was sort of doing this. And it's kind of mad, um, the, 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 the stress that it puts the actors under um and how comfortable you feel the other side of it like you're trying to kind of um make them feel comfortable and I think that's one thing that you do really well I'm gonna butt you up now but um (laughs) but every (laughs) time every time I've come in to read with you um you have given me the the freedom to feel like we can play and we can be relaxed um because there's nothing worse than going into a room and you know you fluff the first couple of lines and they're like start again or you know someone's not very nice to you in the room and it just throws you off yeah I'd remember the early days of of casting when I when I you know the the, um because there were times where there there was still I was kind of lucky I think there was a sort of this transition period where but there was there was a a moment where there were times where you'd be in the audition room and the the, the producer would be literally shouting at a director and then the director would be shouting at the casting director and then the casting director would be shouting at an actor or something and there would just be this kind of show of power and show of, of, of authority and it was so counterproductive I could you know you'd there'd be just tension in a room yeah. and everything would be so awkward everybody would be just on on on, on a knife's edge and I, I just thought it's so yes yeah, so counterproductive and again maybe mm. because again like I said the very early days I didn't know how long my job was going to last with Jeremy so I was just thought I'm just going to be nice to absolutely everybody and and it seemed to um you, you know because it's a nice way of being right it's not it's mm. not a fake thing it's just a good way you know we're, we're doing this this job that's that's really fun let's all enjoy it 
And so hopefully, um, yeah, I just kind of think, I mean, I get, I do get the, a little bit of stress sometimes before an audition, especially with a new director, when I, when um, you just think, God, have I, have I brought in the right people? But it's, it's really momentary. It's like a little fleeting thing. It's like, even if I brought in all the wrong people and we don't cast anybody today, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? The worst thing is, is that we're going to have to do another day's worth of casting. And that's, see, it's like, it's not that bad. So it's, um, but yeah, I just think it's counterproductive to, to have these kind of tensions in a room and 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 ultimately it is about giving an actor the you know actors are amazing you are brilliant at and and if you if you give if you create the right atmosphere for an actor to to mm. um, to to kind of play and feel that they're they're able to that they can't really make mistakes because you can't really make a mistake i mean it's just you, because people just have different choices or different ways of doing things but it's not you're never going to do something in the in in the wrong way you're just do, doing it in a different way than mm-hmm. something else and I think, um, and I've worked with a lot of first-time directors, and again, I think it is kind of important for me to show some of the, those first-time directors to kind of be really playful with the actors early on during the process. So it kind of gives the, the directors permission. They kind of relax as well, and they go, oh, okay, so this is the fun bit of the job now. This is, we can, I can play with actors, and I can make jokes with actors, and we can kind of have a laugh, and then we can start again and do serious things. And, you know, we, but we can, it, it's, I think sometimes you, you do have to show directors as well that they're allowed to um, enjoy the process. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and 100%. Because, yeah, because that, the, the directors are equally as, as nervous, I think, as, as actors, especially the, the inex- more inexperienced directors or the younger directors. They, um, mm. you know, they're, they're not quite sure how to work with you and kind of, you know, you're a mystery to them as well. And so it's, um, I think sometimes you have to kind of just show them that everyone's human and, and you know, you're just trying your best. And, and um, so, yeah, you know, it's the best bit of the job, I think, for me, the, the, the in the room bit. I mean, so mm. as we were talking right at the very beginning, that's why it's so crucial. I don't want to be casting from, from just from self-tape. I, I need to be in a room with an actor and you've got to feel that energy between different humans, not only just you different actors and the chemistry you have bouncing off each other, but mm. just the director being there and how they communicate with you and how you can communicate with the director so that, you, you know, you, you all just know you're, you're, you're all in the right, doing the right thing. So yeah, no, it's good. It's, uh, I, have, um, I have to ask, do you remember, um, it was the most, for me, <laughs> it was the most memorable um, moment in casting for Northern Soul was... Um, when Jack Gordon came in to read for his character, which he obviously got. Um, I remember just being there with my mouth open up. Yeah. <laughs> it's when he brought in, he brought in a, a, something from the bin from outside. Yeah. The and he slammed it down. Oh man, genius. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. It no, was just... incredible. And the, the, the bin was, it was from the hallway, wasn't it? And you could see yeah. that was, there was like another actor's coat got caught on it. And he was in the hall, hallway going, that's my that's my coat and he's dragging in the coat and the beanbag and jack just went fuck off and just slammed the door in the guy's face yeah. and i was like wow yeah. this is like just he's brilliant. in the character now already like yeah just again just absolutely 100 percent committed to it didn't he yeah. just committed. no i remember that really clearly yeah mm. just like wow and i love it when that happens i love it because it makes me feel like i've done my job really well and it's not me it's obviously it's you guys your talent that is doing stuff but because i've picked you to come in i'm kind of like yeah look at me i brought this guy in uh, no jack was amazing he's such a game just I a love jack. I think he's such a brilliant actor and he doesn't ever not give full beans he's yeah. um he's all in and like there's a couple of examples when i've worked with him since as well and um but like 
on Northern Soul, there's a few examples of what he does on set to like almost manipulate the situation, not in a negative way, but in a way where it tees you up with the scene. Like I'll, I'll give an example. There was a, we were doing this scene and it wasn't Northern Soul, it was this other project where he's meant to be this villainous character. And um, in the rehearsal, uh, the first thing he did, he came in and we we're doing the scenes, beginning of the scene, and he just slapped me like across the face. And because we already know each other, we we're like mates anyway. So it was, you know, he'd get away with that with me. But I was like, you bastard. But then every time we shot the scene after that, I was waiting for him to hit me, but he never did it. <laughs> so he only did it in the rehearsal to make me on edge the whole time we were wow. shooting the scene. And I was like, I hate you, but that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> You've just done that. Very um, clever. No, yeah. smart. Yeah, just a good. Yeah, I mean, just brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Again, I've yeah, I think I've been lucky enough to cast him in a few different things as mm -hmm. well. And just yeah, just um, yeah, goes for it and um, uh, yeah, just does a brilliant job every single time. Just a brilliant, <laughs> yeah, brilliant actor. I really enjoyed working with him. He was great. Um, but one other thing I'd like to say is, what with your the way um, when I have come in and I've read things that you're not afraid of bringing actors in that haven't. Like, I know that I've come in for a few jobs with you that I have no prior experience of doing those sort of roles but you've taken the risk and had me come in and read for something which is completely different to say when you cast me in Northern Soul to say Beautiful Devils which um, for me at that time was a pivotal moment because I was getting cast I was getting cast and seen for Northern guys for everything yeah. was like Northern um, and then you had me come in and, and it was obviously a, a London accent and, and a, a real asshole character. It was essentially a Yago in, in um, Othello. And I was so like happy to be in there and doing this like completely different part. Um, so I, I love that as well. I think it's great that you're open to, you, you see an actor and you go, well, I've seen him do this, but I'm sure he can also do this. Yeah, um, I think so. I think it's one of those. I mean, in, my, in the early, early days, you know, you did, I, I don't want to say typecast, but, you know, there was a way of kind of casting where you would, you know, you'd, you'd want to see that someone's done the role similar, a similar kind of, oh, we've got a police person that we've got to cast. Have they ever played this authoritative role before? Yeah, right, let's bring them in. But it was kind of really boring and it did feel really limiting. And mm. um, and I think it is. And, and actually self-tapes have been one of the, that's, in a weird way, self-tapes is, is something that's helped me because I can then ask lots of people to do different things, even if they've never done it before. Mm. And uh, and then you realise just how brilliant. I mean, it's just that kind of, it sounds really stupid, but it is, it's just understanding that an actor can have tremendous range and you give someone an opportunity, they will run with it and they will surprise you and, and, um, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, just do, just do brilliant work. And so it's just about that opportunity, giving someone an opportunity to just to have a go. And I think self-tapes definitely helps with that. It's, uh, it's mm. kind of, for me it's a low risk environment to ask someone to try something and if it if it works then great and if it doesn't it doesn't matter but um you know then i don't need to show it to a director but it, it's not even it, it's it allows me to kind of mess around with gender and with ages and with nationalities and with all sorts of different things where i, I can i can get a, a role that's that, that's written in a script as a certain and described even sometimes in extreme detail as a particular type of character but I can kind of ignore that and go I wonder what it would be like if I flip that or if I change yeah. that completely and just try something different and um and I can ask people to self-tape for that role and kind of just say please ignore that it's a white guy in his 30s and and you'd make it your own you know you you do you, you, you just make that role your own and um and you can kind of yeah you can kind of see then that it, it just gives me that much more freedom and then when I show things like that to a director it can it's it's usually received really well directors love being challenged 
um, and especially when they've lived with a script and lived with a character for a long time. They, um, because mm. most of the, you know, I work mostly in independent film and these things can take, as you know, they could take years and years before they get off the ground. And so a director will have an idea in their head of, of what a character is going to be like. And then if you show them something different, in fact, Jack Gordon in, in um, playing that role in Northern Soul, I think was very different to how Elaine, mm. the director, had seen that character. But Jack just kind of came in and made that role his own and just mm. kind of went, this is how it should be played. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I had it in my head. But it's, it works really well. And I think, yeah, sometimes directors, I mean, the really good directors, they do, they embrace that and go, wow, I see this as a completely new character now. I've lived with this project for years, thinking yeah. of that character, but now it's it's something completely fresh and really exciting again. You know, it's like, wow, great. Let's see what, what else the actor can do. So, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've kind of, I don't know, maybe it's as well because I'm from Manchester and because I don't have family in the film business and I haven't come from money and all of that stuff. I, do, I have a real chip on my shoulder sometimes about <laughs> I want to give people opportunities. It doesn't matter yeah. what drama school you've been to. It doesn't matter if you've, you know, sometimes people weren't, you know, sometimes producers, again, in the olden days, wouldn't want to see certain actors unless they had a certain number of credits behind them. But again, you think you're missing out on some mm. amazing actors. Everybody needs a break. Everyone needs that first opportunity. And um, and especially if, if an actor can do it in the room or do it on a self-tape, then that's that's a great first step then get them in a room and play with them around mm -hmm. you know? and if they can still keep doing it if they can still keep delivering a consistent character then it, it yeah it doesn't it, it kind of doesn't matter what experience they have or, or yeah if they've been to a particular school or whatever it's it should always be just about the talent and and that interpretation and if I'm really honest it's only ever about that one particular role I kind of Sometimes I'll find an actor that I know will be is brilliant at that one particular role and no experience, no nothing, but that role they, they can absolutely nail. And that's fine for me. I don't need them to be, I don't need them to cast them in the next thing or anything. I can, I just, I want them to do that role. Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if they have a career or not after that. It's if they can fill that role mm. better than anyone else, then they should, they should have that role. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I've, I've become less, um, I, I, I very rarely look at what kind of drama school or, or even what experience people have if, if they can if they can deliver on a self-tape and then deliver in the room and it's usually a few different rounds you know then we'll have chemistry tests and recalls and if they can keep delivering then you just you know it's all of it's a leap of faith you know getting an actor on set even if they've got loads and loads of experience they can still turn up on set and, and freeze or do something you know just be strange so it's always a leap of faith but I think yeah just give people opportunities to to act and give actors a chance just to show that they're different sides and it's um yeah and, and let them do it kind of isn't rocket science you can see it you can see it in the performance it's like yeah man this guy gets it he gets that role and brilliant give him the give him the role let him, let him play it for real that's reassuring as well because i think for also for young actors that are starting out now like i look back at when i started and if people ask me that like, how do I, I i have no i cannot give any advice i don't know it's changed so much and I think um, a big thing of it now, and I, I'm obviously from what you've just said, I'm guessing that you don't read too much into this, but I've found that with a lot of jobs now, it's sometimes to do with how many followers you've got, your social presence, it's all these other things that when I started 15 years ago, it just wasn't, it wasn't part of it. And that's kind of terrifying in a way. Yeah, no, I think we, I, th I think I would say that most, I think for certainly for film and TV, for film and TV kind of drama roles, 
I think most casting people that I talk to, we rail against that whole oh, social good. Media aspect of it. I think it's something that um, distresses us. You know, it's kind of like, no, yes. that should make no difference. Maybe if you're doing a commercial or if you're doing, um, I don't know, some kind of plays or something, or obviously reality TV or something like that. If it's something kind of different, then sometimes those things are important or, or those things can be important. But I think for most drama and for, you know, just a, a film or independent film, mm. um, it's just, I, I, you know, you, I, I remember a few years ago, producers were really, you know, what, what are their numbers? And I would never kind of do that research. It's like, if you want to look at how many Instagram followers they've got, you can do that yourself. But I don't, don't let it sway your decision <clears throat> of whether or not to cast someone. And I think people probably did. I think for a little while, there was a little window where people were getting cast because they were well known on certain kinds of social media. But then I think it, they always, it always just kind of fell flat. I think it didn't translate into bums on seats good you know, yeah kind of I think, you know so I sometimes I feel like I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to that because I do I don't really do much social media myself and I don't mm. and I really just don't I, I don't want to know anything about the actors as they're coming in and I don't want to know what they've had for breakfast or where they've been for dinner <laughs> where they're what they're holidaying and all of those things it's kind of you, you know I, tr I, I try not to well I don't want to know any of that and um and yeah, producers have stopped asking for those kind of figures, and maybe they're doing oh, that good. themselves. But they've definitely um, there was a little time period for a few months, maybe even a year, where it seemed to be everyone was talking about it. But I think I, I really can't remember kind of recently when, when um, you know, when when somebody said, "Oh well, let me see their socials and let's see." What, what I'm what glad happened. to hear that though. That's yeah. and that's I think good. I, hopefully it's moving I, in that direction. Yeah, and I do talk to other casting people, and I think we all. We're all kind of in agreement. Like I said, there'll be other kinds of projects, I suppose, where that thing might, that those kind of things might be more important. Certain, you know, if you're doing a panto or something, some kind of, you know, then maybe those things are, you know, yeah. That, that's mm -hmm. kind of, I think for um, for most film and TV, it, it, it's it's kind of, yeah, it shouldn't really make a difference. And this whole thing as well about, um, you know, just starting out actors. I mean, again, I think because I've had a long career now, even though I still feel like I'm the new kid on the block, I realise I'm now kind of an established, I'm, an, I'm part of the establishment. I'm not this new kind yeah, of... Yeah, you're, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I genuinely, you know, honestly, I used to, oh, I'm scrabbling around here trying to, trying to get my way in this business, but you kind of go, no, I've been around for a long time. But I think the benefit I've had is... is um, is, is, is seeing this thing where you're auditioning actors that then go on and become, I mean, true kind of megastars and A-listers mm. and you're auditioning them and they are not getting the role. And it's so, and it's just, you know, you're auditioning them before they're famous and before they get that big break. And it can be any kind of different age. Um, and, and it's like, and nothing changes. It's not that they suddenly become this incredible actor overnight. It's that they come in, they audition, they don't get the role. You know, there's probably some guys that, auditioned for roles that you've come in for that you've got that and are now you know maybe bigger stars but they, oh they, there are i, I are follow them get all. the roles yeah yeah i know, <laughs> I know what they're doing now they're gonna get the role that you've you know that you end yeah. up getting, and it's uh, you know so it's just that thing where you see it's um, lining it up isn't it it's all luck and um, yeah, like the stars you know, are lining yeah, you've got to have the talent, but then you've got to have that one project that hits, that that does mm. make a big, that, that does kind of propel you. And you can't really predict what that role's going to be or what that project's going to be. And um, and yeah, like I said, I've, I've seen some really amazing actors come in, not get the role, kind of do all right auditions, just not 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 get it. And then they then they one thing hits and suddenly phew, that's it. They've 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 mm. become stellar. Um, and it's happened with older actors as well. It's happened with actors in their forties and their fifties that again you kind of see these guys that you've been auditioning for years and years and years, not getting the role. Every so often getting a little job here and a little job there, and then they get one 
Fantastic. And suddenly, boom, yeah. Well, that's the, I think that's the beauty of it. Like, you can, one day, it can just change your life totally. Yeah, one audition. That one phone call and that one audition and then that one role can completely mm. change your life. Um, and you do, you just have to kind of cling on in the business and kind of not lose faith. And yeah, just kind of, you know, just appreciate that it does, it, it can mm. take time. But also, yeah, the, the, so yeah, every, everyone does need a break. Everyone needs that Kit Kat moment, don't they? They all need <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and see if there's any way I can use that. <laughs> yeah. with something clever along those lines. That's very good. I like that. Yeah. Especially in the day and age now, I think I feel like if you did something like that now, it'd be even more like noticeable because people are so used to getting an email or yeah. so you know it's all kind of it's all too quick and too simple. If you actually wrote a letter and you sent them a Kit Kat and you did that, I think um I don't know, it might work. Give it a try, give it a try. Yeah, yeah. send people Kit Kats. You're yeah. going to be getting a Kit Kat through the post next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know. I love Kit Kats. I love Kit Kats. Um, you know what? I spoke to my mum about it a, a while back, and I think when she was pregnant, she used to always eat Kit Kats when she was pregnant with me. She she said, you know, that was my that was my chocolate bar of choice when uh, when I was pregnant with you. Uh, I don't know whether she was saying that just to kind of maybe you know, kind of go, oh, mum, but um, you know, she she anyway, she she's uh, yeah. that, that must be where it comes from then. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's uh, you know, I've had it in me all along, all along this kind of kick <laughs> idea. Like, I uh, I should buy shares, shouldn't I? I should buy you shares. Should. I feel like your avatar. I should get them to promote this episode now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you actually. Everyone eats a cat, Kit Kat differently. Um, you know, obviously two parts, and then you've got the metal foil. I always, I don't know why it's this weird habit. I get it out of the thing, and then I always use my nail and break down the middle, and then break them in half. Yeah, um, no, no, that's good. Do you, do you good. have a habit? Do you have a habit that you do when you? That's eat good. Them? Well, definitely when they. I mean, that's, I, I don't know if you can still find. I suppose you still do find them with the metal thing. Yeah, you kind of use your nail okay. to, to. Yeah, you, you don't know. get it every time now. It's um, you don't get it. Yeah, sometimes older fashioned. Yeah, it's a bit more, it's a bit, yeah, it's just a more of a plasticky thing. Um, no, but actually eat, eating the indi individual fingers, if I'm really, if I'm being really calm about it, <laughs> I will kind of nibble the chocolate from, from all the edges until you end up with this, this sort of like the wafer bit that's chocolateless. But more often than not, I do kind of have a whole stick that I shove into my mouth and snap into and snap in half and just allow it to kind of rest in, in my mouth, disintegrating horribly for a few minutes but um yeah if I've, if I've got a bit of time nibbling the chocolate from around it and, and then it nibbling the top and the bottom layer so you're just, left, you're just left with this skinny little skeleton of a, of a that's a solid yeah. that's a solid way of doing it <laughs> yeah that's like that's that's the calm so mature no I wasn't going to say mature there's no mature way of doing it but uh, you know, different oh I'd love to, I do you know now you want a Kit Kat yeah yeah it's like damn I wonder if you've got any Kit Kats in the in the children's uh in the children's drawer where we keep all the stuff for the kids ah uh, like, you raid like, the children's uh, yeah, oh, man, I'm honestly I am terrible for that yeah yeah no for sure but, um, <laughs> that's deadly actually because normally I don't buy I don't try not to buy anything like that unless if I'm out and I go to a corner shop or whatever but I don't go to the supermarket and buy a massive bag of Kit Kats or anything like because I know if they're there I will eat them yeah, um, yeah. If I have no self Oh. Yeah, I have no self-control. I mean, I really don't. And so there is the kid. I've actually been quite good the last kind of month or so. I've been pretty good at, at kind of ignoring it. But um, the uh, yeah, sometimes you just go, I know it's there. I know that this kind of <laughs> thing is inside there that will that, that will hit the spot. But um, yeah, so I, yeah, I have no self-control with with anything like that. Anything like that. I think this is a I think this is a perfect way to to end. I think on a high talking about Kit Kats. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I one thing I do want to mention quickly is um, one of my favourite films, which you which you cast, is Moon. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I just want to ask you about that experience because 
I mean, what an incredible film that is. Oh, and what man. an incredible cast. Yeah, no, that was just unbelievable. I mean, again, I, 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 um, yeah, I remember I, I was a space nerd when I was little. When I was kind of growing up, I was a real space nerd. And I used to write to NASA. Somebody, a friend of mine told me, I mean, when I was like eight or nine years old, a friend of mine said, oh, if you write like NASA, JFK Space Center, Florida, just write to them and they'll send you stuff. And I, so I used to write to NASA and they would send you, you get these beautiful envelopes back with, again, photographs of people on the moon and oh, signed wow. autographs and stuff. And then you could write to all the different space stations all around America, um, to, to NASA and, uh, uh, you know, in Texas and different places. And always you would get back. They must have had some kind of budget for PR or whatever. And That's amazing. Back loads of stuff. So I was a real space geek. And, um, and when that script came in, it was just, a, you know, oh, you know, you get loads of scripts all the time. And, um, and I'd actually met Duncan kind of really randomly. I had a friend that worked in the music business and we went to a Blur concert. And I'd, I think I'd met Duncan really briefly at this Blur concert and um, a few years before. But it's, um, and, and I think, I, I can't even remember why the script came in. It was when I was working with Jeremy and the, the, the script came in. But I think I said, oh, I'll read this one because I, I like space. And, uh, and I remember just reading that script and being so blown mm. away. It was an unbelievably brilliant script. It was so good. And then the boys came in. It was um, Duncan and his producer, Stuart, Stuart Fennigan, who's this incredible producer. They came in and, um, and obviously Duncan just had, they'd built a little, um, they'd built a, a kind of a virtual space station on a, on a, in his laptop. So you could kind of, you know, show he could walk around the space station. He had so much kind of material, all these books and all this sort of stuff. That was um, that you just thought, God, yeah, these guys obviously know what they're doing. They, 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 you know. First of all, the script was just unbelievable, and um, and then uh, you know, yes, they were clearly um, going places and clearly knew what the, what they wanted, and so it was, um, yeah, it was just, it was so awesome. So it, I mean, it was just such a great. Um, I mean, it wasn't as usual. It's never an easy um casting there were, there were a few twists and turns to some of the stories of as to who was cast in in it but it was one of the, yeah it's absolutely one of my best um mm. what, i think it was because it was one of my best jobs and also going and visiting the set was such a thrill to go and visit the set where they um where the, the base had been um built and just sort of where, where did they shoot it shepperton i think it was shepperton studios and ah. there was one day where i went in and um and just seeing they they kind of built the, st- the space station and it all I have to admit it looked terrible. I was going, oh <laughs> my god, it's so shoddy! It looks absolutely pants. I mean, it was horrible. Oh really? You know, you, I think most film sets probably do. You just go, oh, it looks so. Sh-. You know, people are going when it's look- not lit, I guess. Yeah, and it's all going to look yeah. really wobbly. And there was um, I saw there was a, a scene where um, where they show all these um they're not coffins but i don't know these kind of uh where, where they put all the bodies all the different clones um going off into the distance there was this kind of perspective scene but it was it was all kind of fake it was this tiny little room and it was all painted so that it was like just a, this forced perspective it was just this um yeah it was camera trickery that it looked like this corridor went for miles and miles into into the into the distance but actually you were in a really small little room and it was just the back wall was painted so it looked like it and I thought no one's going to buy this this is going to be terrible but you know you just trust and trust and then going to the, the they first, did all right <laughs> the first cast and crew you know it was just like wow it was one of the, the first times I think where where the, the fine the finished film absolutely kind of exceeded my expectations and it started from such a high level anyway because mm. the script was so good but the, the finished film, I thought it just hit everything perfectly for me. It was for me one of those kind of perfect films that um, just, just the story, the way it was told, the, 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 all the actors in it, everything. Oh, it was just just great. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's um, yeah, really good. I hope they do some more stuff. I, I was lucky enough to, to cast Mute, 
for Duncan mm. and Stuart as well. They, they did a yeah. film called Mute that shot in Berlin and that was sort of in the same world as Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, that, so there's that. And I know they've got a few other things kind of cooking. But um, And Stuart, the producer, I mean, uh, D- Duncan obviously is amazing, but I, I, I have to give credit as well to Stuart, the producer, to Stuart Fenegan, because he's a young man. And um, but he I don't know, instinctively, he's just got this genius way about him and um, just really understanding how to serve your director and how mm-hmm. to just I don't know. There's just something about that. I think when you find a, a good producer, they're worth their weight in gold where, where they know, you know, they know where to push money or not push money and you know yeah they, they he he was just again for, for someone that was kind of a, a young fellow um and especially during moon he just knew what what to um you know just knew how to do it do it's the it, job do the job really well that film and, is just um it's just a beautiful film it looks incredible the cast's great and i mean the same with um with mute actually and i remember i came in to read for robert sheehan's part in that i seem to remember i remember the makeup oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> asking my girlfriend about the makeup but like the way you cast it, having someone like Paul Rudd in Mute play completely against type, um, I just really enjoy it when you when you see a casting director taking risks like that with an actor who's amazing. He obviously can do it, but no, like the audience can be quite narrow minded, be like Paul Rudd. But then he was brilliant in that film. Yeah, yeah. I probably I can't really take credit for that one. That was the American casting director. Ah, I can't on, just say just say you. But, um, <laughs> you know that was a good. It was a good collaborative effort. I think that that whole uh, that whole film. But it was. Um, but again, yeah. I just uh, like I said. I hope they. Uh, I hope they, they. They. I hope I get to work with the, those guys mm. again. There, there's a few special ones along the way, aren't there? That, that you. Mm-hmm. you know, I, the thing is, though, you, to be honest, the, I think every job, every single job, is is is. Um, there's very few. There's, you know, if I'm really honest, I think I can remember one job that I did years, years, years ago, and it was a TV job, a kind of a network TV job, and that was really hard, and I didn't enjoy it. But I think apart from that, almost every other job, there's always there's there's always joy to be had because you're helping create some. You know, even if the film doesn't kind of quite work at the end of it, you 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 are kind of just part of that process of of helping somebody bring a vision to life and and involving all sorts of different people and different um different um disciplines you know from costume to editing mm. and sound and it's just you're you're a little part of that and it's amazing to be able to be part of that world i mean i can't believe you know from a young lad growing up in manchester i cannot believe that i this is how i make my living in this i mean you i would never have known when i was a kid that this is what i would be doing and that i would be able to do this kind of thing so it's um you know, yeah, I do every day. I, I kind of, I, I thank my lucky stars that I, I'm able to do this. That I don't have to have a real job. So it's, um, yeah, it's good. I love that. That's that's what we want to hear on this podcast. I think with the audience, <laughs> like people, we have a lot of people that listen to this, like trying to get into the industry or they're taking their first steps, and to you know hear from someone like you that's very established on some great films and still doing it and still loving. It, I think it's very, it's. It's obviously very inspiring. So thank uh, no, you, Manny. No. I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, and it's just great to have a chat. And yeah, it's nice to see you. It's I been know. a long time. It has. It's been far too long. I know. I've got, yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. I did forget about the pandemic bit. That there were like almost know, the two, two, two and a half years spent in the... Uh... Because I was there kind of going, why have I not seen Elliot, actually? Why have I not seen him? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. It's okay. We have got... A, I've there's got been a, a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's been that, hasn't there? So that's... that's, that's why. The only thing that will stop me from succeeding <laughs> is a... <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, it's great. Oh, well, thank you for asking me. And it's... Uh, you know, oh, no, it's a real pleasure. Really catch up with you. Really, really good, man. Can I good. ask you one more thing? 
Yeah, of course. This is this is the uh, this is the kind of click not clickbait, but like it's a tradition. And I always ask the and sometimes I get told not to by the PR. They're like, no, you can't ask that. Um, but I want to ask if you've got any moments while you've been casting, any embarrassing um, casting experiences, something that will make the audience cringe that you're willing to share with us. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's. I've got. I have got. I mean, I've, um, I do have a a story but it's not it's not really to, well it's a little bit to do with me but it's a bit more to do with jeremy and it's um okay. we were casting of in, in fact it's just a weird i mean it was i mean it was brilliant it was just a weird thing we were casting something and um uh and actually to put it all into context jeremy i think he'd been it was a time he'd been nominated for an emmy which is extraordinary and he was going to la uh, and but he was going to go to la in a, in, a, in an afternoon and we were casting a, a, a kind of a, it was a kind of slightly strange horror story that shot them um, that, that was shooting in switzerland that was based on an old fable um anyway we, so jeremy because he was going to la in the afternoon he was doing the morning session of the uh, of, of the casting and then i would take over and do the afternoon session with the director and it was a semi-improvised scene and and the scene was that there was an actress was supposed to have been kind of block, blockaded and blocked into a little hut and she had to kind of fight her way out of it and um, and so uh, I went just before lunch. I was just to see the last um, person of the day. I went into um, to, to kind of see how they were blocking the scene and what Jeremy was doing and how how it was all going to work. So that so I was yeah I was there just the last one before lunch. And then we would do that. Then Jeremy would head off to the airport, go off to LA for some big award ceremony or something, <laughs> and um, and then I would do the afternoon session with the director. So I'm kind of sitting there in the room and it's all kind of good. And then so the the actress, um, you know, it's it's all set up there. So Jeremy kind of just had to kind of physically block her from getting out, and um, and the actress kind of starts the scene starts, and uh, and she's flailing around and she's really getting into it, and she accidentally she whacks Jeremy on the nose, and breaks his nose whacks him in the nose blood starts pouring out everyone's there going what just happened what the hell so she's in a state she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry blood is pouring out of jeremy's nose we're at spotlight and um and so he dashes out goes through the waiting room that's filled with actors all these actors are looking at him going what the hell and uh, goes into the bathroom and um uh, yeah the the receptionist at, um the, the kind of person that receptionist at uh, spotlight was first aider she knew exactly what to do and um kind of went in and helped him sort out his nose and um and it oh was just God. this trail of blood all through spotlight this trail of blood from they think the director even though he was directing this film was really squeamish he hated the sight of blood so he was <laughs> freaking out and um so it was just the, it was just one of those things it's like oh my god and then i'm there thinking I've got to do a whole afternoon worth of this as well. It's like, and I've, my nose is not small. It's like, my nose is a proper big target. Ah, it was all the other, like, oh. Yeah, it's like, what? what's going on? Jeremy's got to go for, get, get on a plane this afternoon. Is he still going to manage to do that? Is this his whole LA trip going to be? It was just one of those oh, moments, wow. I think, in an audition that you just, uh, yeah, no, it was just, not. it didn't go, I suppose it was out of control, but it was, it was just one of those moments was like, oh, I mean, thank God Jeremy did get on the plane. He did manage to sort out his nose. He had this massive bandage and kind of black eyes, but he went to the Emmys. Oh, wow. And um, Please and tell he, me the actress got the role. No, she didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Mortified. No, I yeah. know. Oh, nice. And I think it was because the director in particular, we had to move rooms at Spotlight. He was freaking out because of all the blood. And I know, I mean, there were loads of actors for other projects there. And again, yeah. for them to sort of see something like that, you can see that it. They're like, "What's what?" Has they had some sort of punch up in there? <laughs> yeah. No, oh, so I think wow, that is mad. Of, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's the, definitely the the thing that sticks just during the audition process. That's brilliant. 
strange things that stick. I love the fact that you had to then go off, fly to LA, and go to a, a like yeah, an award ceremony. Exactly, as well. kind of scary on the camera. On camera, yeah, I know. Just with all this, that uh, yeah, and he did. He had this kind of weird band. <laughs> sort of you know yeah a poor guy oh I mean, wow he actually had the whole and, and yeah, obviously he, you can't cover that up i guess yeah you know so it looked like he was it looked like he'd been in in a, in a proper fight it was just that little split second of yeah. you know the last person of, of that he was doing that particularly he'd done the whole morning without any incident the fact that he had to get on a plane that afternoon and all of that it was every single little thing was just like oh no it was the worst thing that could have happened but um anyway perfect Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, good. So, uh, at least we've avoided that. I think whenever we, whenever I've had you in the room, we've yeah. Avoided. No, I mean, I've, I've never. I did. I did take maybe a bit too literal when I saw Jack do that in his audition. After that, for about a year, I was going in rooms and just destroying the rooms, throwing right. things. <laughs> I've calmed down now, but um, it, it's sometimes uh, it's like that. though. you kind of just get a bit carried away. I think. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. I suppose so. That's acting for you. That's it. Uh, is. Yeah. yeah, we're all very dramatic. That's, oh, the, yeah. that's the problem. But um, yeah, thank you again, um, Manny, and uh, all the best, man. All the best thank with you all the future projects. Look and um, to seeing you in the room. Can't wait to see you in the room at some point. Yeah, so, fingers yeah. crossed. All Come right, on. mate. Nice Take care, nice man. See you in a bit. Bye. 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 Thank you to our guest, Manny. If you enjoyed this episode, please review and share this podcast. It makes a huge difference. We're also on Patreon, TikTok, and Instagram if you'd like to support us and get more content. It's alive and fail. And you better come back next month to a life and fail. To a life and fail. To a life and fail. To a life and fail.